This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 43. Echo Charles sitting here with me. We had a false start momentarily a second ago. I read the wrong number. I said the wrong number. Wasn't even close. This is 43. I said what? 32. Imagine where my mind is. Imagine where my mind is that I'm thinking 43 and I'm saying 32. Yeah. It's hard for a brother. Even the strongest... (laughs) Have their moments of fatigue. You Maybe you're just a little fatigued. Breaking I don't down. know. We've been we've been podcast recording today for five hours at this time. Yes, sir. Okay. So you recently mentioned to me the possibility of the Charles family unit mm-hmm. acquiring possibly a dog. Okay, nice. So yep. I figured this is a good opportunity to discuss real quick because mm-hmm. we got some really good questions. Just Understanding theoretically and pragmatically dog ownership. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a dog. Um, I want to make sure that you and everybody kind of knows this. Dogs are work. Yeah. They are a lot of work. They are not only a lot of work, but they are a lot of responsibility. And as a dad with four kids that are now older. Yeah. I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that in some ways, especially a puppy, in some ways a dog is the same kind of responsibility as a kid, in some ways. Uh, You know, you have to feed them, you have to walk them, they never grow out of that phase, like eventually your kid can go to the bathroom, right? (laughs) Your dog never learns how to use the toilet. Yeah. Right, that's not happening. So you have to be home. You have to go home. They, they, they can't get out if they need to get out. Mm-hmm. Now you get a dog door. Mm-hmm. I have a dog door, by the way. Yeah, digital, mm-hmm. electronic. Like Good. yeah, like they're caught. Co- my dog's collar opens the little gate. Oh damn! So if he needs to go to the bathroom, we're good. Huh. Food. If you want to travel, this is probably the biggest adjustment. If you want to travel, you have kids. You take the kid with you. Yeah. Right with a dog. That's not necessarily possible, yeah. right? You gotta get a crate if you're taking it on a plane or in the car, there's certain hotels you can't stay. There's a bunch of issues. You can't just leave it at home. You can not You can hire like a house sitter, but then you're hiring a house sitter, right? There's yeah. a lot of things. I'm saying you gotta think about that. There's a lot of responsibility, there's a lot of work. By the way, you have to train this individual. You, you, you have to train the dog just like you have to train your own children. And I know that sounds a little bit twisted to say you're training your children, but you kind of are. You yeah. are. Never mind, kind of. So before you just run out and buy a dog because they're cute or whatever, sure. think about the level of work. Think about the level of responsibility. Now, what are the rewards? Some massive rewards. Number one, security. No better security than a dog. Criminals do not like houses with dogs in them. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're going to go away. They're going to go to the next house. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the single biggest deterrent for crime, for household crime, for breaking an entry is a dog. So if you have a dog, even the like, little scrappy dogs, like little small dogs, they're a deterrent yeah. just because they're annoying, right? Yeah. Criminal's like, this is too annoying. I'm yeah. not going in there. <laughs> if you have a dog like my dog. Yeah, that's a deterrent. Yeah, sure. you're deterred. Like, the whole neighborhood's <laughs> kind of deterred. <laughs> So Mike Ritland, Mike, Mike Ritland called my dog a man-eater. <laughs> I said that's appropriate. That makes sense to me. Uh, 
And by the way, if you're getting in the dog game, check out Mike Ritland's information. Read his book. Uh, he's got a bunch of great stuff on dogs. I'm just giving you my sort of semi-amateur. I'm not. A, I'm obviously not a professional dog trainer like Mike, but mm-hmm. I'm a professional dog owner because sure. I legitimately own a dog. Oh, yeah. So you have the security aspect, which is awesome. You have yeah. the fun aspect because dogs are fun. Like they're just fun. Mm-hmm. They're like a little weird person yeah. that doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but they give you looks. They right. know what's up. Yeah. Like with my dog, if I just like turn my head quick, my dog goes in alert mode. For real? Yeah. <laughs> and I test him with it and I reward him. So, yeah. you know, I'll be sitting sitting down you know, working on something, and all of a sudden I'll just like perk up and look, yeah. and he goes into alert mode. <laughs> he goes, his ears go up, he's ready to go. Yeah. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. And plus, they're good to hang out with a dog. Yeah. They're, they're super cool to you, they're nice, they, they will go with a run with you, they'll work out, not necessarily do the workout, but they'll be in there chilling with you, cruising, yeah. like participating in their own special way. Yeah, <laughs> accompanying you to the workout for sure. Uh, there's so something that's important about all these things is that discipline equals freedom. So if you have a dog that you train, then you're set. Then it's awesome. If you have a dog that you don't train and it's just a wild animal on a leash, that sucks. My dog don't even need a leash. I just go for runs with him. He stays with me. If he sees something or he's doing something I don't want him to do, I can tell him stop. He'll stop. Like I'm talking cats, you know what I mean? He will. He listens to me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, for instance, there's a security perimeter at my house that he knows that he patrols and he stays within the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's awesome. So I was gonna not say that because I didn't want a criminal to think that they could stay outside the security perimeter and be okay, <laughs> but it's fine. You can know that. If you mm-hmm. cross the perimeter, you're in trouble. My dog's yeah. gonna get you. If you stay outside, okay, you can stay out there. Mm. Unless I release him, then you're screwed. Um, So discipline with a dog actually equals freedom, which is awesome. But you have to put the time and effort into a dog before you get one. Don't run out and buy it just because it's cute. They are a pain, especially when they're puppies. And then even when they get older, you got to deal with them. You're responsible for them. So keep that in mind. What kind of dog are you considering getting? We are getting oh. what's called, and I never heard of this dog, even though I heard, I've i seen them before. Mm-hmm. It's called a Basenji. Okay. You know what that is? No. Yeah, me neither. But if you see me, you'd be like, huh, maybe I've seen that. Okay, so this is what it is. It's the old, you see the, what do you call them, the hieroglyphs or the the old Egyptian writing yeah, on the wall? Yeah, you know yeah. the dog that looks pointy? like a fox? It's yeah. pointy, right? Yep. Yeah. It's that. So when I see I seen pictures, I thought, sure, that's cute, that's nice, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're perfect for Basenji. Basenji, okay. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> what do you name it? I was gonna kind of run those by you too. Probably Zeta, probably. Okay. Um, it's mainly for my daughter. Mainly, mm-hmm. she was the main advocate for this move. I was against it. Mm-hmm. I'm for it now because we went and met them and all the, all the stuff. So. We went to, I guess the the dad, the dog's dad mm-hmm. is like a show dog, like who won the last like two years of the dog show that they have here. Apparently, I don't know. I'm just learning all this too. So they're really good. Like, you know, the lineage or whatever is like good. But what I really liked about it is like they're not super cumbersome. You know, they're really they're nice. Agile. They're, yeah, they're they super friendly. How big do too. they get? Medium, like I don't know, thirty pounds, forty pounds. It was a, 
trying to think, 16 and a half inches, I think they said. Okay. So it's like, it's medium, medium. Yeah. So it's not like, medium it was, small. it was, like yeah, shirt, medium, small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> extra medium. It, extra medium. For real, like to see the full grown one, I was like, dang, that's yeah. a good looking dog, but he seems a bit small. And he really just reminded me of a, like a fox dog ish. Yeah. Even the color is like almost like a red, but anyway, really nice, super friendly. Like, they don't, I think they're like quasi hypoallergenic or whatever, which was kind of the criteria that my daughter kind of wanted or whatever. Oh. Do they shed? They shed like once a year or something oh, for okay. like seasonal or so, or once or twice or something like that. Um, anyway, yeah, called Basenji. Su- right. Super nice. I'm and down you for say it. We, this is happening. <clears throat> this is happening. How old is the dog going to be when you get it? Uh, I don't know. Three months, maybe. Okay. All right, well, I could be wrong about that. A little puppy. Just know there will be added responsibility, which, look, I know I'm not trying to be mean or whatever. I'm not trying yeah. to take a dig at you. No, no, no. You but are, but cool. I know the added responsibility is not something you're usually <laughs> looking for. I, I don't pursue those. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Uh, well, the good news is, and the, the reality, like, I grew up with, with dogs mm-hmm. more than one. Like, I've had, we had one when we were super small where my dad would take care of My mom and dad would take care But at, even as just... Young kids, all the way up into adulthood, we had two dogs, two Dalmatian dogs, too, which are freaking hyper and whatever. And I trained them. I was kind of a tyrant, but here's the thing. I was super disciplined. And I realized when you said discipline equals freedom, bro, that's so true. Because the more disciplined you are, like you can actually be pretty like hardcore with a dog. As long as they're, it's super predictable, yeah. bro, they'll just totally listen to yep. you. And you're they're right. down for the cause. Oh, yeah, fully. They're just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's how. Um, and there were... We let them inside and, you know, they would shed a lot, which kind of sucked. White hair everywhere. But they would listen, though. Like, I taught them little tricks and stuff. And apparently they're super Dalmatians anyway. Or um, what do you call it? They have high energy or whatever. So you might not be able to train them as good. Bro, they potty trained it. Like, they would never use a bathroom in the house, ever. They'd always go to the door and be scratching the door, howling and stuff, trying to get out to use bathroom or whatever. Need that dog door. Yeah, this was back in on Kauai. Maybe 1992. Mm. I don't know. Either way, I trained them by myself, and so I know I know what it's like to have a dog. Yeah, but know. the traveling thing is like that's the part where we're like mm, we got to set up some criteria for where they can go or whatever while we travel. Yeah. So that part's probably the biggest bummer in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I met the dog and all that. So I'm like, all right, I dig it. I see it now. Okay. Because you're right, and it'll get. You know when you have kids or whatever, and my kids are five and eight. Mm-hmm. That's going to get them out of the house even more. You know, like yeah. riding around with a dog and doing all that stuff, they which like, I kind of want. They're going to be walking that dog and whatnot. Yep, What's and they can learn there? some responsibility. Right so I'm down for that for sure. Um, all right, should we get some questions? Yep. Might as well. All right, first question. Jocko, I'm a deputy sheriff in a very high crime area in California. That brings some long, rough days, and both of your podcasts help me help me move on the next day, move to the next day. I'm up to date on Jocko Podcast and the Underground. I know there's a lot of cops that listen to you and have the mentality of when Jocko says it's good to go, it's good to it's good to fucking go. <laughs> Can you spend a little time talking about your recommendations for law enforcement officers as far as talking? Uh, taking some firearms classes or tactics classes or other team built bonding type tasks or seminars to help LEO small unit tactics and weapon manipulations. 
I'm big on equipment and tactics and it can be frustrating and dangerous when you're handling a call and your beat partners aren't up, aren't on the same page. The visual and verbal comms are not the same and small unit tactics are usually horrible. I find this similar even when, work, when working with other, other agencies. A Jocko Topic dissect would be greatly appreciated. All right. So this is... Um, okay. So first of all, there's a lot of great training out there. Um, there's, In fact, there's a plethora of good training. And so I would say go start training. Now, could you run into someone it's kind of like jujitsu right except for what's nice i think about this kind of training is you can take some training from one person you can take some training from someone else you can take some training from someone else no one gets mad at you right they shouldn't um can you are there mcdojos in the tactical world absolutely so that's what i think the premise of the question is like hey jocko if if you're saying something's good to go then it's good to go Mm. well just like jujitsu, I can't really even claim that a jujitsu school is good to go because I haven't been to that jujitsu school in Tacoma, Washington, or in Nebraska. I haven't been there. So how can I say, oh, yeah, that's a good to go school? Mm-hmm. And I really can't say the same thing about the local, wherever you are in California, Tactical Academy, or who's putting out word. So you got to kind of, you know, go and check it out, look for what kind of experience people have. And if they have military experience, if they have experience in law enforcement, that's a good sign. It's not a guarantee, right? It's not a guarantee. Just because someone is in the military doesn't mean they're a great tactician. Just because someone is in law enforcement doesn't mean they're they're a great tactician. So there are people that have military experience 20 years that are idiots. There are people that have military experience three years that are squared away. So... You have to go and check a place out. Um, I think if they've been in the military, if they've been in law enforcement, that's generally a good sign. I think someone that hasn't been any in, in any military or in any law enforcement that's out there trying to teach this stuff is probably not the best sign. In fact, I say it's a bad sign. Now, could you get someone like the Gracies that are teaching combatives and they've been working with military and police for so long that they don't have any actual experience, but they've been doing it for so long? Yes, that's absolutely. So that's why I'm not gonna say always and I'm not gonna say never. So I would go train with some different people and sample what they have. Go to some different schools. Learn some different tactics so that you understand that different tactics apply in different situations and understand how those tactics evolve and change based on the scenarios that you're going in, which might sound hypocritical for me because I'm always saying that the fundamentals don't change, but the fundamentals don't change. But the specific tactics that you use in a scenario can absolutely change. If you have a hostage rescue scenario, you are going to utilize different tactics than if you have a lone barricaded shooter with no hostages. So a barricaded shooter is going to call for different tactics than a hostage and a active maneuvering Shooter is going to call for even different tactics than that. And then when you take into account the terrain that you're in and the weapons that you have and the weapons that the shooter or enemy or criminal has, then there's all kinds of different things that you might make adjustments on. In order to understand these things, you have to train as much as you can. Right? Who's going to do better in a fight? 
the person with the smallest, narrowest uh, span of training, like i.e. someone that's on, only trained boxing, or someone that's trained boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, and wrestling? Who's gonna do better? Even a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu that is a, has taken 32 boxing classes, 17 Muay Thai classes, and they wrestled for two years in high school, will be, in most cases, a professional boxer. Because they're gonna hit a double leg and that's gonna be it. So when you can train with a variety of sources and places and you, you, you become smarter, you become more well-rounded. So that's what we are looking to do. Train with a, vis- a variety of sources. Now, all this being said, are there some people out there that I know that are good? Yeah, Tim Kennedy, Sheepdog Response, right? Uh, full blessing, Tim Kennedy's awesome. Pat Mack. And, and what he teaches. You know, he's, both those guys, extremely experienced. Mike Glover, field, Fieldcraft Survival. Like, these guys are people that I literally know, and so I know and understand that they're good to go, but I can't tell you where to train in some random city out there in California or wherever. So, I hope that, ex- that semi answers the question or at least gives you a an idea of what to do. I'll say another, any shooting course where you're gonna go and put rounds down range, that's good. That's good. Could you learn some weird bad habit that some idiot teaches you? Yes. You could, they could teach that to you. That doesn't mean you have to learn it. You have to say, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. How do you get the ability to say it doesn't make sense? You get the ability to say it doesn't make sense by keeping your mind open and trying other people, trying other schools. Now, so, from a training perspective, go out and train. Go out and train. Now, this is more important in a way. None of the training that you do matters if you don't have some kind of unified baseline standard operating procedures inside your organization. So when you're talking about these issues that you have, that that I don't like that at all. So where I would start is to start to see how you can begin to influence the chain of command, right? And you do that not by saying, hey, we're all screwed up. No one knows the same hand signals. What you do is you ask a question, a humble question. Hey, (laughs) does everybody here think that maybe we should have the same verbal and visual signals when we show up on a a situation? Who's going to say no to that? No, I think we should all be thinking something different. No. You ask that question. Hey, does it make sense that we should all have the same visual signals, the same verbal signals when we talk to each other? And then when people go, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. Hey, do you want me to assemble a list? I, I can I can do the work and put it together. Now I'm not going to create it because I know I'm not you know the 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 know it all here. But I know if I go and talk to this sergeant and this lieutenant and this captain and and these other people on the SWAT team, and I get I can gather the information. I'll just be the person that puts it together. I'll consolidate the input, and and that way we can bless off some standard operating procedures for the way we communicate with each other. So that's the kind of thing that I would do to start. And then I would tackle the next, you know, the next issue. Communications is the big one. Next, I'd look at, hey, do you think we should have some kind of standard operating procedure when we, when we enter a room, right? And then you volunteer again. Hey, why don't I get with some teams, some people that have done this before, some people that have expertise in this area, and I'll assemble what they say so we can put together some kind of a standard operating procedure. And then I would just keep doing that. I would keep doing that to unify these things. So. That covers that part of the question. 
somebody has to start to establish some standard operating procedures. And by the way, when I got to SEAL teams, these the standard operating procedures that we had were passed down word of mouth, and occasionally there'd be someone that had like a notebook that had some standard operating procedures on it. And over time, people said, hey, we can't, what if? What happens when I go work with another platoon? What happens when I go work with another team? What happens when I work with another coast and we're doing something totally different? It's not okay. So in the SEAL teams, we started, we went through the process, the exact process that I just described. Someone said, hey, if I work with another platoon, wouldn't it be nice if we were all making the same verbal calls? Yes, it would be. Why don't we standardize them at the team? Why don't we standardize them at the coast? Why don't we standardize them amongst the, all the teams? And that's a squared away thing to do. And look, can you get in some bickering match with someone about, well, you know, you should be, it should be called this or it should be called that. Go in there, be a referee, compromise. If, if, if Echo says it should be called, you know, a, a flicker, and I think it should be called a picker, guess what I say? Hey, flicker sounds good. We'll go with that. Because that's more important. And the last thing I'll say is this. You have to train. You, you have to train. You have to train people. And I've been singing this for a long time. I think that police should train 20% of the time. 20% of the time, I think police officers should be training. So eight hours in a 40-hour week, right? one day a week, or a couple hours every day, you should be training. I, and, and what my recommendation is, as much as you can, you do force-on-force training. Force-on-force training. Live fire, I get, look, I get live fire is awesome and it's necessary and you need to be comfortable with live fire, but the, the real training that is the most beneficial is force on force training with paintball or simunition or laser tag or something like that so that the people you are maneuvering with or you're maneuvering against or you're maneuvering to arrest or control, they react. Our tactics... Our specific tactics changed when we started doing realistic force-on-force training. Actually, they didn't change. They reverted back to what works. When we started using simulation and paintball and laser tag on a large scale, we reverted back to cover and move, to keeping things simple, to prioritize and execute, to decentralize command. That's what we reverted back to, and that's what works. We had gotten kind of wazoo off the, off the reservation. Because when you storm a building and it's filled with paper targets, none of them shoot back, none of them move, and you can you win every time. As soon as those paper targets aren't paper anymore and they start shooting paintball at you and they start maneuvering and jumping from room to room and down hallways and leaving the building and coming in from the other angle, that's when you get your ass kicked. Why? Because you didn't cover and move. You didn't prioritize and execute. You didn't keep things simple. You didn't have decentralized command where people were making calls. So you have to... Put yourself and your team to the test. And when you first start doing that, it's going to be scary how bad you are. <laughs> but do it. So, so that's the next part. You need to train. And now this is the final part. In order to train, you don't need some massive budget and some massive block of time. Look, I know you're not going to get a day a week or, or eight hours a week or whatever, a couple hours a day. I know you're not going to get that. And I know you're probably not going to get much budget. So what do you do in the meantime? Throw up your hands? No. There is awesome training that you can do 
in 15 minutes, in 20 minutes, in five minutes. Even using finger guns. Yeah, saying bang, bang. Even doing that for room clearances and hallway movements can work and make you better at force-on-force training. I used to train my kids to, to come and arrest me and how they would maneuver and how they would set me up in a room. I ta- taught them how to do room clearances. And the, all the initial training that I gave them before we got to simunition, before we got to live fire, was just with finger guns. And you can actually get good. You can get good at cutting angles. You can get good at communication. You can get good at maneuvering through a building. And you can do that without, in five minutes or seven minutes, with no weapons at all. If you do three room clearances or vehicle clearances or vehicle approaches with, and by the way, safety, don't even bring weapons with you. You know, you don't want someone that's gonna freaking draw their weapon in a moment of excitement. You just use your fingers. And as stupid as that might sound, I guarantee you will get training benefit out of it. And actually, a lot of the training value you you'll get you'll get so much more training value when you actually do have an opportunity to train with real simunition. You'll already be probably sixty percent there instead of at zero. So give those things a try. Work with your random partner that you got. Hey, you want to do a room clearance? What are you talking about? I'm, I want to get a cup of coffee. No, let's do a quick two two or three room clearances. Oh, by the way, here's our standard operating procedures that we published on what our verbal communications are. Oh, okay, cool, I didn't know those. All right, do that stuff. So there's all kinds of options, and they start with you. Train hard, stay safe, and thank you for your service. Next question. Next question. I'm 39 years old and not in shape. I have recovered from an alcohol addiction where I gained a lot of weight. Am I too old and out of shape to begin jujitsu? Nope. Last answer was kind of long. This one's not long. (laughs) Go start jujitsu tonight. When you hear this, go start jujitsu. It's going to get you into shape. You're going to get around good people that aren't out drinking alcohol. It's going to make you lose weight. Go start. Yeah, 39 is not even close. Oh, not like, even that's the like close, yeah. Kind of, I mean, obviously kids start jiu-jitsu as well, but you ever watch uh, Point Break, the yes. original one? Yeah. Remember when he was like, hey, a lot of people are starting late. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I'm 25. He's like, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. never, t- you know. <laughs> and it's, like, it's not like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, guys, a 39-year-old guy to start jiu-jitsu is not rare. Very normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very normal. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. good to go. Like, if you said you were 80, and was like, is it too late? The answer would still be no, but there would be little things yeah, to it. Be, 39, you're not even in that realm yet. Not even in that realm. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Good to go. I know, actually, I know a guy, I don't know what belt he is now, but he started, he was 44 when he started, mm-hmm. and he was like, he's a former, like, athletic guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, played, I think he might even played college football before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he started, and he was like, he just got good real quick. Yep. And he's like, you know, 48, 49, and just Good at jujitsu. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So now yeah, 39. That's young, kind of. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hey, real quick, back to the tactical uh-huh. training stuff. You know, as like a civilian. Mm-hmm. You know, no. do you know what? I don't know as a civilian. <laughs> but you heard of that before. I've heard of civilians. Right? Yes. 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 Um, 
is there like because there's like civilian training courses right for like home defense and all that or whatever do you know anything about like if there's good ones yeah that's the same question that i that he was asking but it was his specifically was about police but i mean it's the same thing i can't tell you what good civilian sort of tactics trainer there is in whatever state i know that tim kennedy runs sheepdog response i know Mike Glover's running Fieldcraft Survival. Right. I know Pat Mack is doing stuff. So, yeah. I, and I also know that there's a bunch of squared away people in all these different cities all over the country mm. that can give you some good guidance that work. Go down to a range. Mm. Now, look, could you get a jackass? Yes, you could. Yeah. You could get some idiot. Um, that is entirely feasible. Mm. But if you if you ask what their experience is, if you talk to them, if you ask some people that they've trained, if you ask on the internet, Hey, what's this guy like? Oh yeah, I've learned from him, he's great. Oh yeah, I learned from the uh, super. Oh, I learned that from that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's some proof. Okay, well maybe I should be careful. Now look, does that mean you rely on every Yelp review out there? No, because you know if you come to my store and you're in a bad mood and you start some crap with me and I kick you out of the store, all of a sudden you can go on Yelp and say that I'm the worst store owner ever, Yeah. right? Same thing with some tactical guy. But you can see a trend, you can read through the the uh, middle, what's that word? Read through the read between the lines. Between That's the what lines. you can do. <laughs> the middle, the yeah. middle of the lines. The middle of the lines. Yeah, as far as the Yelp review, you know, just like in general, where you see, let's say, I don't know, even like a restaurant or something like this, where you look at the Yelp reviews, they're like five stars, five stars, five stars, one star. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. this place sucks. Yeah. And it's, it's just more of a rant more than like, yeah. you know, any kind of review, yeah. you know, and then you're like, okay, you can probably disregard Disre- that. One. Disgruntled, you know, participant. Yeah. Hated it. Hated that restaurant. Everyone else likes it. Yeah. And kind of in a way where let's say I'm not a, you know how some people they love making, doing reviews, mm. good or bad. They just like the review process that, you mm. know, I know people like that. I don't know anyone like that. My wife's like that. Oh, okay, sure. But, um, you know, it's fun. It's like your little critic, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming I, I didn't, I don't think I've ever made like a significant amount of reviews either way. I may have never reviewed anything. Right. And that's kind of the point <laughs> where it's like <laughs> on the podcast, the normal person is not very compelled to just get on there and make a review unless you're pissed. Yeah. So kind of the review process kind of lends itself. Negative. Yeah. A little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, but like I said, review, read between the lines and this goes for, this is just some general review advice, reading and making it. Yeah. Where you can tell, and just knowing that going in, where it's like you can tell a, a, a for real review, even if it's a bad one, you can tell if it's a real review or not by two things, probably more than two. One, is it consistent across the board? Like if they're like the service is slow and 10 people out of the 12 say the service is slow, you're like, okay, service probably slow here. That's one, the, the, the consistency, right? And you can tell it might not be that one if there is no talking point on there. It's just how that reviewer feels. Mm. See what I'm saying? That might discredit a little. Just generally speaking. Jack. It's my review advice. Yelping the yelpers. (laughs) For the people. All right, next question. I'm I'm a 27-year-old male, and with my friends moving away or settling down to pursue their own dreams, I have in turn declared the end of my adolescence and will be returning to the Army. After having served for three years, I, I aim to take to make a career out of it. I report to my new unit in mid-October. My question is, now that I'm buckling down to pursue my career, what can I expect if I wish to live in the mountains very long term and a career goal? 
Many people may fantasize about living in that kind of environment, but don't consider the challenges it comes with. How did you go about finding a section of land? How, se- how severe is the weather and how far are most homes away from town? How do you handle utilities? General pros and cons, perhaps. What would be the best states to consider and what kind of price tags are there? All right. So I do have a house in the mountains, but it is not in an isolated location. It's in a small town. It's in a it, there's it's a fully civilized town. I'm not out in the boondocks. I am still working on that part of my plan as well. Uh, there's tons of people that are more informed than me on on every question that you just asked. Um, and the questions that you asked, the answers actually depend on what exactly it is that you are looking for. You know, how far do you want to be from people? That's That's a question. Everyone's different. Does this mean you don't want to see other people? Or does it mean you don't want to see other people when you wake up, but you want to be able to go see other people when you feel like going somewhere to eat dinner? Do, how far do you want to travel if you need to get supplies from a store? Do you want to not travel to a store? Or is it more of a pain if you say, I hate shopping? Cool. I hate shopping, but I would hate shopping even more if it was a two and a half hour drive to go and get the groceries. So what you got to, those questions, the answers to these questions depend. Do you want to have power? Right? Are you going to try and live off the grid and you just want to be out there on your own? And then what are the disadvantages that come with not having power? What capabilities do you currently have and what capabilities are you willing to go and work for? What are you willing to learn how to do? Because if you live off the grid, that means you've got to be a little bit more of an engineer. You gotta be able to be a more of a mechanic. You've gotta be able to run things yourself. So you gotta figure out what capabilities you are going to acquire as you plan for this future life. Are you gonna have a family? Because what does that look? What capabilities do they have? Or w- will your family members, if you're not careful, become a liability where they don't offer anything to your solution? So a bunch of those questions, again, I, I don't the the house that I have in the mountains is a nice house in a town, in a mountain town. It's not it's not a, a ranch out in the wilderness. Um, as far as price, generally speaking, the further you are from civilization, the cheaper the land is. So no matter what, when you get the further wave you get from humanity, the cheaper the land is. Well, there's a reason for that too. <laughs> there's a reason for that because no one likes driving three and a half hours to go get groceries and they definitely don't like forging a stream and having to ride horseback to go get groceries. Some people want to do that. As far as locations, I like states with no income tax. Washington State, Wyoming, Texas, New Hampshire, Nevada, Florida. Florida's a little too hot for my liking. But... You know, those other states all have options. And Florida has options too. Um, so, again, I'm not the best person to answer this question. Luckily, what's beautiful right now is you're 27 years old. You've got a plan. You've, you know what your goal is. So you'll be able to do a bunch of research. You'll be able to go out and stay in some of these. Take, take 
30 days leave and go and stay somewhere out in the boondocks and understand what it really means. Follow Jason Gardner. I think Jason Gardner's got a re- an, an outstanding setup, Jason and Gardner on Instagram and his wife, all the wild places. Go and see what they're doing. They've got a cool, they've got a great spot. They're isolated, but they're not totally remote. They're living off the land, but they can still get things if they want it without driving four hours. So go and look at people like that, and then you can find people that are either more extreme than them or less extreme than them, and you can start to figure out which one you wanna fall into. And then just study, you start to earn capabilities for yourself, and then go rent a remote cabin, bro, somewhere, and make sure this is who you are and what you wanna do. You know there's people that show up to SEAL training that have trained for four years to prepare for SEAL training, and they've told everyone that they're gonna be Navy SEALs, and they've enlisted in the Navy, and they quit. In one day, they quit. And I know that sounds crazy, but it happens every single class. 20, 30, 40, 50 people quit in a day, the first day. So go try it out. <laughs> and go tr- rent a remote cabin somewhere. Get one, Try one up in Washington State. Try one in Texas. Spend some time there. Learn what, what are the advantages and disadvantages. And then after you've sussed out the various possibilities, then you can look to actually make a purchase. And even when you make that purchase, make sure you got some kind of an exit strategy. Because other things get a vote. You know, what if you, what if you get sick and you can't live remote anymore? What if you have a family member that's special needs and you can't live in a certain area? Or you have to live closer to civilization or a hospital or treatment of some kind. So have an exit strategy as well. But overall, that's an awesome dream. It's a, it's a dream that I share with you. I will see you in the mountains one day living remote. Do you find that's a common thing? Yeah. Like that that yeah. guys want to live in the mountains? Yes. Yeah, well, I think well, it might I be. Well, I think isolated. Could be mountains, could be island, right? Yeah. You know? I feel, that might be like a human thing. It's almost because it feels like a relief. Like even when, when Tony was talking about yeah. it, like, oh, I got 60, you know, 62 acres and yeah. my neighbors and, they don't, you know, I'm alone. I'm like, man, that sounds real sounds peaceful. real good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, until you sounds got that. real good. Yeah, but this guy makes a, a good yeah. point. Where it's like you know, it's work. It's yeah. freaking work. You you don't you can't just jump in the shower. No. Yeah. My sister lived remote, kind of remotely, and would to, for her to take a shower for five years. Mm. For her to take a shower, she had to go down to the river, get water, boil the water, and take a shower. Yeah. She lived like that for five years. You know, that's some remote. And well, actually, she wasn't even that remote. She just lived in a house that didn't have running water. <laughs> and where is this? This was in Montana. Dang. So it got cold too then. Oh, very cold. <laughs> very cold. I was gonna say, my mom did that for two years. When she was 17 mm-hmm. years old, she moved to Kauai, but it was on Kauai though. Not oh, Montana. Way different. Yeah, we're cruising. Way different. Up, I don't think it. she had to boil nothing either. But yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, straight up live in the mountains for two years. That's how. It's yeah. not like she went camping for the weekend. Yeah. That's like life, you know? But yeah, that's crazy. There's a lot to it. But it does sound super peaceful. Mm-hmm. Every time someone talks about it, I'm like, yeah. You ever watch a. Uh, Commando, remember Commando, right? You know what? The OG. I, I, I obviously, obviously, I've seen sections of it, but like, I could never make it through that movie. It just seems so dumb. It's not dumb. It's 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 part of your history, actually. So either way, how you feel about it? How um, is it part of my history, <laughs> bro? I don't know. Military. You understand. Either way, 
it showed like right at the beginning, it seems like they kind of were trying to put forth like the perfect living isolated scenario. Uh-huh. So he's like coming down from the woods, chops his own like tree down. Is this Arnold? This yep. is Arnold, yep. right? Hell yeah. But then when he comes down to his cabin, it's like a luxury cabin with a pool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. So they trying to, this is what it seems like thinking back. They're trying to paint that perfect picture, mm-hmm. you know? But it wasn't in like a, a, a metropolitan area. It was like isolated, you know? And then he had all these little secret like... Yeah. Sheds and but stuff. But no one's like, weapons. "Hey, bro, where are you getting the chlorine for your pool?" <laughs> no, no, no. They didn't ask that question didn't in ask that, that movie. Question, did they? No, no, no. Either All way, right. I dig it. All right, next question. I'm currently in college at ASU while serving active duty in the Navy. For one of my classes, I was required to do a research paper, on, and the topic was inspiration social media accounts. So I chose yours. While looking at your account, I noticed that you almost always post in black and white, and only a select few posts are in color. Most of the posts in color are from what I have noticed are are tributes to fallen heroes. Do you do this intentionally to make them stand out? And also, why do you post almost everything in black and white? Is it a form of getting people motivated? Is it just because it's most mostly dark out when you ever take the pictures, and it just makes things easier to view, or is it part of your brand? Thanks for considering my question. Uh, cool. For me, it's just me. I don't know. Uh, I wish I had some deep um, philosophical answer to this one, but it's just the way the way I think about things and the way I like them. Uh, I think it looks cool. <laughs> yep. Black sure. and white looks cooler. When I post something in color, it's just because that picture I don't think looks cool appropriate or looks the way I want it to look or looks the way I see it because I think I kind of see things in black and white too I know that might sound weird but it's kind of true and you know what's funny is in my garage gym mm-hmm. I could take color pictures and no one would know because everything in well the people would barely know because it's all black and white right wouldn't stand and, and so people wouldn't because why because that's the way I see things uh, like I said when I post something in color is is it something that I say, ooh, I'm gonna make this picture stand out? No. Um, I don't consciously say, ooh, I'm gonna make this picture stand out more. It's just that that's what I think the picture should be. That's what it looks like to me, and therefore that's the way the picture, that's the way I post it. I don't, you know, as far as like something being part of my brand, I don't think about that. I don't, I don't, not a brand, you know, I'm just a person. So I don't like try and manage the, (laughs) you know, that's just not, I just like simple imagery. I like things black and white. I like it to be dark. That's the way the world looks to me. And so that's what I post. That's just how I am, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it never seemed intentional, but. The fact is it is part of your brand and brand has become like a bunch of things now. You know, what do they say? Personal brand. Your personal brand is a thing, even if you don't have a business, apparently, from what I understand. So you're applying something on me. Yes. Okay. Well, that's just doesn't make a lot of sense. You live in society. Okay. I guess where I disagree with you mm-hmm. is I would consider I had a brand if I had a team of people that were sitting around saying what what would we like to convey about your about what are you trying what's your messaging yeah. hey well I think black and white really conveys that yeah, kind of yeah. edgy but still tough image that you're going <laughs> for oh yeah that's great that's exactly what I want to portray yeah. to people 
No, that's not happening. Yeah. I like black and white pictures, dude. Well. Shit looks cooler when it's black and white. There's a black and white picture. Yeah. I dig it. And I dig your assessment of it. And I understand or whatever. But the fact is, in the field, that's kind of how it works. Like, it's like you can't really escape it. Sure, you're not pursuing a very specific image of your personal brand. Maybe that's just who I am. Right. Exactly right. But okay, that's, so you that's what they off. say. And here's the thing. Bro, I didn't make up these rules. I, I'm just over here reporting from what I understand. See what I'm saying? Where even if you didn't even have social media, that would be part of your brand. What would be part of my brand? Off social media is part of the brand. Okay. Your personal brand. It's true, but you well, see what I'm saying, what? though. What if I woke up in the morning and ate Frosted Flakes? Every day. That would be part of my brand. Yeah. Well, I really like Frosted Flakes, so I woke up every day and I ate them. Yeah. Oh, that's part of your brand. Yep. If, and how's this? This is how deep it can go. Let's say you never ate Frosted Flakes ever in your life, but one day you did. The fact that you never do and then one day did, that's part of your brand. So what, what, you're what you're saying is this brand is your life. Yes. Okay. Whatever. That's what you're trying to whatever say. Whatever you're putting forward. But what I'm saying is I don't believe you. I don't think you're right. I think there's a difference between a person yeah. and a brand. Yes. And I think a person, which is what I am, I like certain things. Yeah. I like steak. Yeah. Is that part of my brand? Yes. No. That's yes. part of the brand of someone that's trying to sound cool because they, oh, I'm, I eat steak because I'm yeah. a red meat guy yeah. or whatever. I'm not saying that. I like no. steak. Why do I like steak? Because I like it. Yep. Not so I can sell it. Not so Not so I can uh, uh, make it who I am because I think it reflects being tough. No. I like steak because I like it. Yep. I brush my teeth every day. Why do I do that? Because I, I, I like to have uh, good dental hygiene. I want to have teeth when I get older so I can eat more steak. Yes. Does that make me a dental hygienist? No. So I'm just a person, yes. and you're trying to make me into a brand, and it doesn't make any sense, dude. Technically, I'm not trying to make anybody do anything. Look, I'm like, again, I'm reporting from the field. You know, these are the, this is the new criteria. What if you just said that's person- my personality? Personalities. Because um, this is my personality. Your pers- which I- Personality so you're part of your personal. So you're saying that brand and personality are kind of commingled now from a perspective of social media. Not depends on what you mean by commingled. So personality <laughs> is part of your personal brand. Yes. Okay. What you wear is part of your personal brand. If you wear cologne, it's part of your personal brand. I if you don't, don't wear cologne, and that's part of your personal brand. If you don't wear deodorant, that's part of your personal brand. I don't. See what I'm saying everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Everything you do or don't do, and especially if it's consistent, that's part of your quote unquote personal brand. Okay. Apparently. Okay. Hey, look, it, just because you have a personal brand doesn't mean you're pursuing the development of your personal brand. Okay. For the brand's sake, which is what I think you kind of, hey, this is a new thing for me to understand. I understand your uh, reluctance to accept, you know, the reality of your whole personal brand. Okay. See what I'm saying? All right. Black and white, in as far as branding goes, called noir. As far as anything goes, really. Black and white, noir. <laughs> so it's like Jocko Noir. That's your brand. That's your personal brand, Jocko Noir. Okay, bro. Bro, I'm helping this guy in his, in his ASU college class, bro. Yeah. It, it, but um, to answer his question and not go off on some random tangent it's that not doesn't random. make any sense. It's not random. And it makes sense. Cool. Let me tell you, um, to answer your question, do I do, I do this intentionally? Nope. Why do I post it in black and white? Because I think it looks cool. And is this part of my brand? Nope, that's just who I am. So I, I'm answering your questions. You can accept my answer. You can accept, accept Echo's answer that all that stuff is my big 
I don't accept that last answer. The no answer is a yes. That's my uh, opinion. Okay. Regardless of your feelings of it. I can see that your brand is to be argumentative <laughs> over dumb shit, so I'll let you maintain that brand. Okay. okay. All right. It's dumb now. Okay. All right, bro. I didn't say it was dumb. I don't make that. Yes, you that did. Shit. Dumb shit. Okay, yeah. It is dumb. But <laughs> I don't make the rules over here. I'm just, hey, I'm the messenger over here. Uh, How about this? I'm going to move I, on to the next funny? question. In a serious note, I've gotten to ask questions, you know, like in official scenarios about, you know, John, can you talk to us about how you've developed your personal brand? And I'm always like, I always give them the same answer. Like, hey, uh, this is just who I am. I really don't. There's nothing I do. Right. I don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. I like black and white pictures. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like to work out. Cool. Yeah. And I, you know why? And I, here's the thing. I understand. That's why, to be honest, it's very fun to talk to you about mm-hmm. it because you're so resistant to it. I, I, f- I feel you, man. Because it's like, bro, I'm not trying to develop. That's kind of cheesy when you think about it, especially someone uh, like yeah. you. Well, that, that's, yes. Okay. Now, now you're starting to talk. Uh, make some sense. Yeah. If you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to post this picture from this angle because the sun's coming over here. And due to my personal brand, I don't post junk pictures. And I'm going to put this filter on it to make my oh, yeah. whatever, like, contrast better. Like, this is all part of the, yeah. the game, right? If you're working hard to develop your personal brand in those ways or whatever, to some, I don't even, I don't think that's, I think, like, yeah, that's what people are doing. And it's part of this whole ecosystem. That's part of the game, I think. Oh, I'm not for or against it. You know, it just depends on the circumstances. But someone like you, from what I understand, I can't read your mind. I'm not a mind reader. But... but. <laughs> For someone like you, it seems like that wouldn't really make much sense. That's and not part of might, my brand. It's not ah! part of your brand, though. It's not part of your brand. Having a brand, being a brand is not part of my brand. Yeah. There just, you go. Just like you're probably not going to get a manicure and pedicure on any regular basis either. You are correct. Yes. I've so, never had either one of those Exactly things. right. But That's a lot the of fingernail stuff, right? <laughs> and toenail stuff. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. So, And a lot of people do that. Guys and girls. What? And yeah. Oh, really. forget. Yes, they do. A lot. Uh, Quote, a lot. It depends on what you mean I've by a lot. I've never known anyone that's had that except for maybe like my wife. Yeah, me neither now that you mentioned Actually, it. Actually, I don't think my wife's ever done that. Okay. But I'm, I can't say never, but maybe. Well, she, of course, she might. Uh-huh, then again, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. I don't know either. So I haven't talked to her about that ever. So I wouldn't know. But I do know a lot of people who normally get manicures and pedicures. Yes. Okay. No, well, you that's won't. Not you won't. Part of my personal brand. Exactly. So I'm not doing it. Exactly right. And de- and developing this conversation your, is no, part no, of my bro, brand. These are important <laughs> things. These are important things to know. I think. I think. I don't know. But even so, just like you don't pursue manicures and pedicures because it's like, bro, I have fingernails. I don't need to shine them and do all this stuff or whatever. That that you regard developing, actively developing in detail your personal brand the same way. See what I'm saying? That's how I see it. Next question. Next question. For the love of God. What's your recommendation for handling a key superior who isn't transparent or collaborative and also makes frequent frequent mistakes? On several occasions, the mistakes cost our company millions of dollars or even tens of millions. Further, what's your re- recommendation for leading from below to convince our non-confrontational company president that sometimes change becomes more important than the personal loyalty? Okay, so I'm going preface this by saying this is a, you are in a campaign. 
If you think I got the answer, like, oh, what you need to do in a situation, go A plus B equals C, go execute that. No, mm-hmm. you are in a campaign. And the campaign is relationship building. Okay, you need to build a relationship with the key superior that's not collaborative and not transparent. You need to build a relationship with that individual. How do you do that? You listen to what they have to say. You trust them. You put some trust into them. You respect that. You treat them with respect. You allow them to influence you on some things. That's the way you build a relationship is you actually pay attention to what they're saying. You try and execute their plans. You support them wherever you can. That's what I'm doing to build a relationship because if someone's t- someone isn't telling me what's going on, in other words, they're not being, quote, transparent with me, that means they don't trust me. I need to earn that trust. How do I earn that trust? I put a little bit of trust into them. I say, oh, that's the way you want it done? Okay, let me go execute it. I perform well. I support them. I asked earnest questions of them when something seems really amiss. So if we're about to make a mistake that's gonna cost the company millions of dollars, I don't say, oh, well, I'm just gonna execute it anyways because Jocko said perform. No, I'm gonna say, hey, Echo, can you confirm that this is what you want me to do? You want me to send this invoice to these this client that we haven't done work for and it's gonna cost us a bunch of money? You, is that what you want me to do? Because we're gonna get pushed back, we're probably gonna end up in a lawsuit, it's gonna go bad. You know, so I'm gonna ask a question if something truly doesn't make sense. I'm gonna cover for them. And when I say cover, I don't mean cover up. I'm not talking about covering up, but I'm gonna cover for them so they don't make mistakes. Echo, you know, Echo pulls the switch on some generator that's gonna cause all kinds of problems. I don't just go, oh, well, he's the boss. No, I walk over and turn it off. Hey, we're doing maintenance right now, boss. We can't have the generator on. Otherwise, it's gonna burn out the generator and all the other generators at the same time. So I'm gonna cover for them, meaning I'm gonna help them. That's what I mean, I'm gonna help them. I'm not gonna step on the toes. I'm not gonna insult them. Echo, you're too stupid to know you shouldn't turn on this generator. No, I'm gonna say, hey boss, I know this is kind of in the weeds, but if we turn on this generator right now, it's gonna cause a bunch of problems down the line. We gotta shut this thing down. I might even ask a question. Hey Echo, do you know that that generator is attached to all the everything else on the line? If we turn that thing on right now, it's actually gonna cause a, a problem? You probably already know that because you're so smart, but I just wanted to make sure that I, there's something that I don't understand. So I'm not gonna step on toes. I'm gonna give them a little ego massage. I'm gonna do my best to make the solutions their ideas. So when I goes, yeah, that's right, we're not turning on that generator. Oh, good call, boss. And that is going to help build a relationship. And when I build a relationship with someone, then I can actually start to have some influence over them. That's what I'm looking to do is have influence over. If you think you're gonna assault them and they're gonna start listening to you, you're wrong. It's not gonna happen. So all these things that I'm talking about are the indirect approach, which the indirect approach seems like it's less effective. It seems like it's gonna take a really long time. We'll take all this time to build a relationship. Yes, and what we know is that the, the indirect approach is more effective and more efficient than the direct approach, which disrupts and creates a, cat, a, 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 a disruption between our relationship, a chasm between our relationship. When I attack, I we distrust each other now. And now Echo's not gonna listen to me anymore. So I have to take the indirect approach. I have to build a relationship. I have to earn some trust, earn the ability to influence. Now, 
if this person is just absolutely horrible over and over again, over an extended period of time, and you fail, you fail to create a better relationship because you're not good at it and you don't have the capability and you're too stupid, then okay. Then you might start to escalate some of that direct directness. Because let me tell you what, smart people, they figure out a way to get through to other people. Now look, you can start to then escalate that directness a little bit. From saying like, hey, Echo, I'm not sure I understand this plan to, hey, Echo, I don't think this is a plan, a good plan, I don't think this is a good plan, to, hey, this isn't gonna work, to, hey, this is gonna fail and cost us money. You can go through those escalations. You shouldn't need to, because Echo doesn't wanna fail. So if I ask him a a good, earnest question, or I offer him a solution to a problem that's occurring, he doesn't wanna fail. Do you think this person wanted to cost the company tens of millions of dollars? No unless they have some alternate agenda, in which case it's all gonna blow up on them anyways. So can you escalate your directness? Yes, you can a little bit. Document what you say. Document what you see. Start to take notes, start to send emails so that you can actually explain what's going on if you ever have to in the future. Generally, if you use the indirect approach, people will come around. Eventually, if this person, there's a 0.02% that, that this person is actually a horrible person. That is a possibility. It's a slim possibility, but it is a possibility. The 99.98% is that you're the problem. Is that you're not doing a good job building trust. That you're not doing a good job leading from below so that you can get that person to make the right moves. That's what's likely happening. If there is some, this small percentage chance that this person is actually horrible, then eventually, and you've exhausted all your capability, then as a last resort, you might need to go above them in the chain of command. Now remember that once you go above someone in the chain of command, you've just dropped a nuclear bomb on that relationship and the trust and it's never coming back. It's gonna be radioactive forever. So that's why I say it's a last resort. We don't wanna do that. Might we have to? Yes. If this person's doing something illegal or unethical, yes, you, you have to do that. So leading from below is the, same to- is the same thing. Everything I just said, build a relationship. It's the same thing. It, it might be a little bit harder because you've got another layer in the chain of command that you need to work through, but performance, excellent performance, hard work, asking good questions, eventually, eventually you can start some indirect conversations with the, with the who is it, it's your president, your company president eventually you can start some indirect conversations with them. And maybe you can get them to look a little bit harder. Maybe you can get them to discover what your key superior is doing that's wrong without you having to come out directly and say it. And if you build a good relationship, I always had awesome relationships, not just with my boss, but with my boss's boss, always. I always figured that out. Always figured that out. Because, but skipping the chain of command, 
Having a good relationship with your boss's boss is fine. Skipping the chain of command and putting the, your boss on report without giving them a heads up, without telling them what's going on, that's a problem. Skipping the chain of command and going direct is an irrevocable commitment that you just made with a thermonuclear weapon. It can cost you all your influence. It can actually cost you your job, by the way, from one conversation. Because, you know, maybe your president is loyal to this individual. Sounds like that's what you're implying. So if you go and drop an atom bomb, you probably will hit your president too, and he's not going to like you either. But if you use the indirect methodology, if you form relationships, if you build trust with people, if you work hard so that they recognize that you are a performer and that you can help the organization, if you run that kind of campaign, which I know sounds hard and I know it sounds time consuming, but it is the best way. And that is how I recommend you go forward. I know it's probably not what you wanted to hear. But, and you might not think, oh, how is that going to work? I have done that my entire life. And it has worked (laughs) extremely well. That's why I am here. That's why I am where I'm at in life. Not because I drop nuclear bombs on people. But because I built relationships. Because I built trust. Because I treated people with respect and therefore was respected. Because I allowed people to influence me and therefore I was able to gain influence myself. It's the long term. It's a strategic move. It's the indirect methodology. And it is the way you should execute. I have a question. Yes. So you know how... Okay, here's a hypothetical scenario. Let's say this guy, you know how you say you have you, not you, but the person, the boss, and the boss's boss, mm-hmm. right? And you're skipping the chain of command. It's kind of like, hey, I can't get through with my boss. Yep. Let me skip the chain, right? That's yeah. what is there? What do you think about this scenario, hypothetically? Let's say the guy, instead of skipping the chain of command, he kind of like loud talks him, like in the presence of the boss. Loud talk is bad. If I'm calling you out in front of your boss, you're not going to like it. Yeah. So what? Okay. Perfect. So let's let's even not go that far as far as like I won't. Let's say you're my boss, and then we have let's say Carrie is your uh, your boss, okay. right? And I'm like, oh, you know, Jocko, can you you know bring red pens instead of green pens, whatever? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, and you don't do it. And I'm like, hey, Jocko, you know, come on, man, bring red pens, not green pens. You know, maybe I don't handle it right or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do. I don't know. Either way, you you just don't do it. You, you keep making the mistake of not bringing it, right? So I get irritated. And now, next time I see Carrie and you kind of in the same presence, I'll be like, hey, Jocko, um, you know, like, you know, you haven't really or you failed to bring red pens or whatever. Like, oh, maybe next time you think I could do it. But I made sure to do it in the presence of the boss. Is you that a violation? Your own question. What? You, you just, the way you said it, you know the answer. You did it in the presence of my boss. Yes. That's not a good move. You should have already said, hey, you know what? I already picked up red pens. I'm going to bring in the next meeting because I know you're really busy. You've got stuff going on. Yeah. That's what I thought too. But the only doubt that I kind of had was kind of like, well, it is kind of, it's not a full call out, but it is almost like, it's almost like an accountability play. It you're feels not like. a good enough actor, nor am I. <laughs> To pull off <laughs> okay. a call out yeah. in an indirect way in front of the boss without it seeming like a freaking call out. I understand fully. So don't do that. Yes, sir. 
someone did that to me is what I'm saying. Sure. Like, oh, okay. Right. You know, was that in front of Carrie? It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it seems super greasy. Like, I'm like, bro, I see. The thing is, it was totally my fault for not like accommodating or doing or whatever. But at the same time, you know how you say it's nuclear or whatever, yeah. it's radioactive? Like, how you explain that? I was like, bro, that's how it felt too. Yeah. Kind of like, bro. You made us on worse terms. Sure, yeah, you, sure. you. I'll bring the red pens now. Yeah, I, and I, I totally will, and I get it. But and, I don't trust you. Yeah, bro, you kind of ruined you. some other shit. I'm gonna look to screw you over. By the way, put it this way: I'm kind of open to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't want to, yeah, but, but hey, man, if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> we're not stopping it. <laughs> that is the feeling for sure. Awesome. Right on. Indirect approach, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause. You know the deal. Um, until next time. We'll be here on the underground. And this is Echo and Jocko.